0: I'm glad I got a chance to uh, get you to co-host.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. What happened? Chip didn't want to talk to me.
0: He's teaching, tonight, I think
1: oh.
0: <laughs>
2: um.
1: he was like, not her <laughs> age.
3: <laughs> From Atlanta, a sweet southern town. At least it was until they built that goddamn airport. <laughs> Am I right? I've been in that airport maybe fifty times in the past few months. That might be an exaggeration. Uh, maybe not. But yeah, it takes at least twenty minutes to get to any gate. I mean, unless the gate's right there outside of security. Well, when does that ever happen? Ah, <sighs> it's like Narnia in there. Ooh, TSA pre-check though. Uh-huh. No big deal. Probably the fanciest thing I've ever done. Totally worth it. Anyway, it is the Whole World Improv Theater podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here, are your host, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who gets his eight glasses of water a day with energy drinks, <laughs> John Yalic.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. My name is John Mihalik, and sitting in for Chip Powell is my guest co-host, Paige Crawford. Hi, Paige.
2: Hi, John. Happy to be here. Happy to fill in for Chip. Hopefully, I'll do an adequate job, if not better.
0: And with us as we continue meeting all of our main stagers is the very talented Connelly Crow. Hi, Connelly.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. We got to know you a little bit at the end of season one.
1: Yes. Well, much has changed well, we, then, for sure.
0: We want to know all about it.
1: Well, so. for starters, I am very tired. I'll admit today because I haven't been getting good sleep lately because I recently acquired a new addiction to uh-huh. karaoke. I got a karaoke microphone. I got this microphone that Casey Musgraves advertised on her Instagram like two years ago. Uh-huh. And for A whole year I thought about it. And then I finally bought one and now I'm staying up until 2 a.m. regularly singing karaoke. And so I'm, I'll try to bring it, but I'm very sleepy.
2: Just by yourself in your living room?
1: Yes, by myself in my <laughs> living room. I've I think thought you
2: were going to say you're like addicted to going to those karaoke bars and stuff and doing karaoke just late into the night. Nope. <laughs> I'm alone. <laughs>
0: nice. I need to know what is the go-to karaoke song? What's the one song that pops up every time you're doing karaoke?
1: Well, I did invest in an app. I'm paying money for an app so that I have unlimited <laughs> access to whatever karaoke song I might want. But I do have a couple that I go to every time. And the main one lately is You're Still the One by Shania Twain. Oh. It's a good one. And it's the kind of thing that if you're around people, nobody really wants to hear a slow karaoke song. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing karaoke, I pretty much only want to do the ballads. So Mm -hmm. it's good that I'm alone, really. (laughs) Now, how does the karaoke mic work? Yeah, great question. So it connects (laughs) to your Bluetooth on your phone. Okay. Uh, So I pull up my app. I connect my phone to the Bluetooth microphone. And the music actually comes out. The microphone has a speaker. And there are setting the volume of the music. You can increase the reverb. It's pretty great. I do recommend it if you're looking for a new way to be. Yeah, that sounds really fun, actually. I want one. Yeah, I've been doing Just the Way You Are, Billy Joel, a lot. I like the message of that one.
0: I like Billy Joel, period. Me too. You're such a talented musician to begin with. You were doing some studio time at one point, right?
1: Yeah, thank you. I still am. I'm working on an album. I've been working on it for... About a year now, just off and on. The place where I'm recording stays pretty booked. And so I think in 2021, I did five or six recording days. And then actually this Thursday and this Saturday, I'm gonna be recording for the first time since August. But yeah, I've been wanting to make a record for as long as I can remember. I made a promise to myself when I turned 30 that I would not finish my 30th year without having something that's complete. So my goal, knock on wood, is that by August, when I turn 31, this record will be done. It probably won't be out yet, but hopefully it'll be done. It's a collection of songs that I've been working on. Some of them I wrote like 10 years ago. Some of them I wrote within the last year. Yeah. I'm excited about it. And you have a song on Spotify, correct? I do. Yeah. Well, I got kind of impatient with the recording process for the album. And in 2020, I had written this sort of like, all, most of my songs are kind of sad, you know, slow, sad, love, heartache songs. But this one was about just how difficult 2020 was for everybody. And so it's called Cold Year in Georgia. And you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere where you can stream music, you can find it. Nice. Yeah.
0: We'll include a link in the uh, notes for this episode.
2: Oh, thanks. With your music and improv, you're usually one of our go-to musicians for any sort of musical game, really. Yeah. Uh, do you find writing your own songs easier or do you find improvising songs on stage easier?
1: Well, improvising my own songs on stage is probably easier. I mean, when I first started doing improvised songwriting, I guess we started with the musical games. But once we went on Zoom during the pandemic, that was really the first time that I was asked to bring my guitar out and start making up songs on the spot with the guitar. And I found that to be a little bit daunting. I had to let go of the perfectionism that i would bring into writing my own songs like for a music only performance and sort of just embrace the chaos of playing the guitar and trying to come up with something on the spot or trying to serenade a person with knowing five facts about them in 20 seconds to prepare they're just totally different things i have the songwriting background so it's maybe easier for me to quickly come up with a rhyme if we're doing improv but very rarely do i do an improvised song and think like Man, what a hit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, sometimes when we're warming up, every now and then there'll be a song where I'm like, man, I wish someone was recording that because that actually was a very fun song that I feel like people would listen to over and over again.
1: Yeah, there was one song recently when we were warming up. I think it was about a butt. I think it was like something about butts. And after rehearsal, I was sitting, we were doing our warm up and I was like singing the little butt riff in my head over and over <laughs> again. That was a jam.
0: You know, something I tell people. I ask, you know, what it's like at Whole World is some of the best stuff never makes it to the public. It's just us before a show or during a rehearsal. Yeah. These hilarious things come about.
1: Yeah, it's true. The pressure's so low during that time. Like it's really just us on stage having fun together when the audience isn't around. And hopefully you want to bring that same level of fun and kind of lack of pressure to your performance too. But it of course makes a difference when there are people there who are paid and they're expecting a product. It's much different than, you know, when we're just
2: goofing off. I think the time at the beginning is a good time to get all of the inappropriate stuff out too. Totally. We can yes. be dumb and inappropriate all we want.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> We can all be dumb and inappropriate, that's for sure. But then we get those crowds sometimes that every suggestion they have is just below the belt.
1: I think it's fun. I mean, I know that I want to present (laughs) an intellectual level of comedy Mm -hmm. sometimes, but then other times I'm like, fine, let's talk about dildos. I think it's funny, too. I also have an immature sense of humor. Let's go there.
2: I think we did a Christmas show one time and the theme... I think it was the miracle on 34th Street one. And we asked the audience what kind of store (laughs) the mom owned and it was a dildo store. I remember that. (laughs) And I just remember like pretending to stack dildos on a shelf and like hilarious.
1: The funny thing is when the suggestion is something that inappropriate, you have to kind of go there and then afterwards getting a note that's like, maybe you should have made the scene less sexual. And you're like, Like, oh, like at the dildo store, I should have
2: made it less sexual. Okay. Okay. Oh.
0: Let's be honest.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll not name names, but some of the MCs who give us that note when they turn around in a show
1: mm-hmm. are right there with us. Yeah. So. Yes. It's like what we want to project mentally is different, it's in dissonance than what our hearts really want, which is just the dildo talk. Why deprive ourselves of our heart's <laughs> desires? <laughs> be the title of this podcast. Episode. Yeah, we okay. want stildos. That's great. I hope when people Google me, I grow? everyone wants dildos.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we know about that karaoke mic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's Bluetooth too. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, I did say there were multiple settings.
0: So that's <laughs> what we're going to call it. Multiple settings. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is what I love about the podcast is sometimes we just go to a place. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I apologize.
0: Don't. I mark it explicit for a reason. (laughs) Is there like a song that stands out that you had to do either on stage at Zoom that was maybe not necessarily the subject matter. Maybe it wasn't necessarily a a dirty one that just, I'm singing about this.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many (laughs) that I find myself wondering why in the world am I singing about this? But yeah, actually last week we do this thing called jam band. Basically, it's like three people who are in a band together, maybe they're reuniting for the first time after like a 20 year hiatus. And the jam band, it always takes place at some kind of shitty location, like the DeCab Crisis Center or the DeKalb <laughs> Commerce Market or the Denny's in Smyrna or something. And, you know, we take it very seriously, like, oh, we're just so happy to be back here at this Denny's. And how it works is that we solicit song titles from the audience. So the prompt might be, you know, give us the title of your week or what have you. And then we take this list and we create songs out of these absurd titles. And, you know, sometimes I'm trying to take something that seems like it would be very sexual and desexualize it. Like I got rim job as one of the titles and I was like, okay, how can I make this into something that is not what the mm-hmm. audience never intended? So I found myself singing about like, the rims of your car taking yeah. it to you know the car fixing station, whatever that's called. Recently we had somebody submit reduce, reuse, recycle, and um turned that into a song about me and my bandmates just passing around, the same dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm um, and it's sometimes hard for me too to remember even the content of what we do in these performances. Like you're present in the moment and then. I'll go off stage and I'm like, I don't even remember what was said. It was fun. We laughed and I think we put together a good scene, but since it's not scripted and since you're just trying to kind of be there, I don't always necessarily remember what we even talked about.
2: Well, my favorite jam band was during the summer when we would do the Ponce City Market shows. Maybe it wasn't summer. I don't know. It was maybe fall. And um, we had to be camp counselors. It was you, me, and Lee. And we called ourselves the Clits. Yes. But it stood for counselors, like, leading, leading, intelligent, something, something. Yeah. (laughs) But it came out to clits. And yes. since then, the clits have made multiple returns to the stage. The
1: clits. I think people call into the theater wondering when we're coming back. What's happened with the clits? Where are the clits people, now? People are calling the tabernacle. They're like, bring the clits over here. <laughs> Terminal West, here we come. We're going to sell out the arenas.
0: And strangely enough, all the men who are fans of the clit still can't quite find you guys on tour.
1: We're elusive somehow to the men. This program is
3: supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank God goodness for organizations like these because now more than ever anybody sick of that phrase everyone knows how important the arts are because where did everybody turn to after two years of health arts let's keep recognizing these amazing organizations for what they are and what they do we love you
2: Now, I want to know, we have been talking a lot about musical improv. Besides musical improv, what is another one of your favorite improv games? Or like, what other kind of improv do you prefer over the music? Because I feel like you're, yeah. you sometimes feel like you might be pigeonholed a little bit into the music because you are so musically talented. But what are the other games you like to play?
1: Yes, I do find myself being put in a lot of musical games. And I enjoy them. I think they're really fun. But I really enjoy the straight comedy. The straight improv where we're just bringing ourselves to the table and maybe the buzzers thrown on top of it. Um, but really just like bring yourself to the table and um, you know, you're not given that much to work with and sort of letting something naturally develop before a game's thrown on there. I really enjoy that. And when it's going well, when everyone's like in sync and listening and responding to each other and yes anding and all of that, it can turn into something that's really magical. And I think that's my favorite, my favorite piece. Yeah, I do enjoy just some straight scene work too. Yeah.
0: Did you start seeing that as one of your favorite things as a student coming through?
1: Yeah, I did. When I started taking classes at Whole World, I didn't necessarily envision that I was going to go on to become a main stager. You know, I wanted to try something new. I really enjoy just seeing like, can I do this? So I would pass by the Whole World sign. And um, I do have a bit of a theater background and had kind of missed a being on stage piece really, I just wanted to like stretch the boundaries of my comfort zone and see if I could hang. And so, yeah, when I was taking classes, just creating those straight scenes and trying to be fully in the moment and kind of let go of, often you come in with some sort of idea of when you're starting out of where you want the scene to go and being able to let that go and just like create something and support something with a partner. I like the thought of like, you've got your partner's back and they've got my back. And so no matter what sort of crazy scenario I throw out there, what kind of crazy line, you know, that you're going to be supported. I really enjoy that. I like the cube a lot for that reason. I feel like it starts off with a really, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just trying to start off with a really solid scene. And you're also trying to make sure that what you say in the scene is meaningful. Sometimes we have a habit of just kind of like talking to fill up space, but in the cube, you want to make sure that what you're saying is meaningful. And then every time you come around, you're building off of that with the support of your partner. And I think I find that to be the most fun.
0: That is a great point about the cube. I want to back up. Theater background? I don't think we ever touched on that. When did you get the acting bug?
1: Listen, I am a Leo. I love <laughs> drama. I've always been into performing. Like even as a kid, I would put on dances and make my family sit down and watch me perform. But when I was in fifth grade, my family had just moved to Athens. And there was a little community theater called Athens Little Playhouse that was just down the street from me. And they were doing a Alice in Wonderland production. So I auditioned and was the White Rabbit, and that's where I learned to settle my feet. I was an anxious performer, so I'd move my feet around and do the whole, like, the wobble. You're not comfortable just planting your feet, so I learned there that you got to plant your feet. I've always been a singer, and so after that, they started having musicals, and I did The Wizard of Oz, Les Mis, and Gypsy. And so I did a lot of musical theater for a while, up until, like, 7th or 8th grade, and then... Kind of transitioned more into the the songwriting and that avenue of, of writing and art. But yes, I've always been into performing. And I think that was part of the appeal of improv, too, is another chance to be on the stage in that capacity. What's your favorite musical that you've been in or out of all the musicals? All of them and all the land. I love Les Mis. It has a sentimental place in my heart. I just think it's a beautiful musical and the production that I was in. It was sweet. I played young Cosette. I was like around all of these older high schoolers who were so talented. And I thought, I want to go to Broadway. I just think it's a beautifully, beautifully written play. But recently I went to New York City and I saw beautiful, the musical musical about Carol King's life. Oh yeah. It is incredible. She's just a fascinating woman. And I had no idea that so many of the songs that we know and love were written by her and her ex-husband. But it's a contender.
0: It's it's really good. I'm lost. I'm just not a musical guy. Yeah, John, a-
1: don't sell yourself short. I've seen you rap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the night my daughter came in there, I really think she was hoping to see her dad rap. Mm. But she's only been to like one show.
1: Do you think that that would have increased your cred with the youths or maybe made it worse?
0: So one time I picked her up at her mother's and we were coming back to my place. She was asking me questions about, you know, things I do in the show. I happened to mention that, oh yeah, you know, like last night we did what was called a line wrap. You know, the line wrap is pretty much, you know, the entire cast. We get a ridiculous, you know, school supplies. Everybody is going to do a little bit about school supplies. She's like, what was it, dad? And I'm just like, I don't know about you, but I don't know why they give you pencil number two. Every time I want to do something, son, I always like pencil number one or anytime I feel three, I want to do pencil number three. And then I kind of glance over, you know, I'm driving and I'm kind of glance over. She's smiling and laughing. Her phone is up. She's videotaping her dad
1: (laughs) Yes. You were going to be her gateway into TikTok virality. Is that a word?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The viral TikTok scene. Yeah.
0: More like the gateway into therapy. (laughs) Yeah, that too. So you have this theater background. Mm -hmm. You love scene work. Mm -hmm. Did you have nerves on your first grad show coming out and now you're going to be doing improv in front of people?
1: Yeah, for sure. When I was a student, I took advantage of the rush comp option a lot. So I would come and even just like by myself, if I didn't have anything going on on a Friday or Saturday, I would come and sit in the front row by myself and the caliber of performers at whole world. I was just enamored. It was so good. The main stage cast was incredible. And I felt like, you know, I'm also very competitive with myself. So I wanted to also be good. And so I definitely remember it's just a different ball game. It's so raw to perform for the first time. You don't have a script. You don't know what's coming your way, especially in those early stages. I think now I know that I can build something that's, you know, pretty enjoyable. But when you're first learning, it feels like a shot in the dark if this is going to be good or not. We've all had that situation of you're in the middle of a scene and you recognize that it's just kind of going south quickly and you are frozen and you're trying to figure out how to get out of the rut that you and your scene partner have somehow found yourselves in. So yeah, I was super nervous. I had a really great class, lots of really good people in my class that then went on to be apprentices and I'm still friends with a lot of them. So it was kind of fun to be nervous together and kind of commiserate in that way. Like if I'm performing music, that's something that I don't have necessarily is a group of people to like, you know, be nervous with or talk about how great it went or kind of laugh about what went wrong. It was terrifying and it was fun to not know what to expect, not know what was coming. Are we going to be great? Or are we going to crash and burn?
2: Or are you the only one left from your class?
1: Yep. Oh, okay. Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. Who was your teacher? The 101 teacher was Carlos. And then oh, okay. Tanya took over after he passed away. So Tanya was my mentor for a long time. And then once I became an apprentice, she continued to be my mentor. And even today, she's still the one who I go to for notes and advice and gossip and all that. I was to say the gossip. <laughs> the gossip queen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think the running joke is that like, if there's a secret or something going around the theater, if Tanya knows about it, then eventually everyone will know about it.
0: Yep. <laughs> Except John.
2: Except John. That's probably Except more of a John, John problem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, no, it's just, I don't know what it is about me all through just growing up in school, even living in the barracks when I was in the army, you know, the barracks are like the same way. Once one person knows something in the barracks, everybody knows what it is in the barracks. But I guess I'm just cosmically cursed to be like the last, anytime I hear a piece of gossip, it's already been through the theater twice and nobody wants to talk about it. And I'm just like, I'm just learning about this.
1: John, maybe you're not asking the right questions. Not nosy enough.
0: No, no, you're right. I'm generally not a nosy person. (laughs) What was it like making it into the apprentice program?
1: You know, it's a huge commitment to be an apprentice. It's a really big time commitment. You're doing three shifts every month and then Wednesday rehearsals. And then depending on what your hope is for the future, you're trying to perform as much as possible so that you can get that experience also so that you can kind of prove yourself So I remember when I made the choice to come on, I was a little bit daunted by the time commitment at every stage, you know, I took the classes, not necessarily thinking that I was going to go on and be an apprentice. I became an apprentice, not necessarily thinking that I would want to go on to be a main stager. And so for me, when I accepted that position. I just had kind of gotten the improv bug and I had really come to have some really good friendships at the theater. And so I was really motivated by the people to stick around. And the nice thing about a place like Whole World is that you've got this consistent, safe place to land every Wednesday. For me, it can be like a little bit of a reset if you're having a bad week. And so there's kind of a therapy element to that. And then also it's nice to have that Friday, Saturday to watch shows and time with your friends. And so I was also very intimidated by the main stagers at that time. The culture was a little bit different back then when I came on. The divide between main stage and apprentice was pretty stark. It was kind of like as an apprentice, you were fresh meat. The main stagers, I was starstruck. They were kind of doing their own thing. And I was just honored to be in their presence. And so we would have rehearsals where you have to Get the guts to get up in front of these people who are so good at what they do and perform. And those first rehearsals, I would just be sweating, sitting in the corner, hoping that nobody called my name. And inevitably someone like David Owen will be like, Connelly, you haven't performed yet. Get up there.
2: Who on the main <laughs> stage were you the most intimidated by? Because I answered this question in my podcast. So I want to know who you who you yeah. had.
1: Um I'm having a blank for this person's name. Hopefully they're not still there. They're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, what is his name?
0: I think I already have an idea. Was he a Brian. tall, lanky guy?
1: Yeah, not not Brian. Tall, lanky. Drew Quillian? Drew Quillian. Yes, yeah. it was Drew Quillian. And I'm embarrassed that I forgot his name because I then asked him, you know, we had to pick a mentor. I asked him to be my mentor first because I was like, he's so good. He'll be straightforward. So I asked him to be my mentor, but then I was too afraid of him to ever ask him for any notes. <laughs> so after that, I switched to Tanya, but I found Drew to be really intimidating. I thought Grant, like you, Paige, I listened to your episode. Oh, I yeah. thought Grant was really intimidating also. I thought Jenny and Chip. I was intimidated by Chip at the time. You know, really all of them.
2: <laughs> Everyone
1: except for Tanya. Was I
2: on the main stage? You-
1: yes. Oh, I guess so I, was- I was intimidating. <laughs> yes, I Maybe you were. I don't remember, Paige. I think we had a good rapport. I don't yeah. think we talked. It was just the people who like didn't talk to us. I don't
2: think I'm intimidating. Hopefully, I'm not intimidating. I don't want to be intimidating.
1: (laughs) No, you're intimidating in the fact that you're just so good that that can be intimidating, but you're not as just a person. You're pretty soft.
0: Paige, is this the first time anyone's ever called you intimidating?
1: Probably trying to think.
2: Yeah, I don't normally get that. I don't normally get that I'm intimidating. You know, what's funny is when that whole like resting bitch face thing came out, Carlos actually told me, he says, you don't have resting bitch face. You have resting bored face. And I'm like, (laughs) I think I said something like snarky. And I was like, well, it'd be more entertaining then. (laughs) (laughs) What has been the biggest difference in your mind between being a apprentice member and being a main stage cast member?
1: Good question. I think when you're transitioning from apprentice to main stage, I don't know if you all felt this or had this experience, but when you're an apprentice and you kind of realize that main stage is something that you're hoping to achieve, and you start to notice that you're being cast a little bit more, I think that there becomes a little bit of pressure that every time you perform, you want to make sure that you're really kind of showing what you've got, um, that you're flawless, that you're making sure you're adhering to all the rules and blah, blah, blah. And for me, I know towards the end before being promoted to main stage, I found myself putting pressure on myself to make sure that every show was good. And it felt like it didn't go well. I was hard on myself about it. And since joining main stage, it just feels like the pressure has been lifted. I've been finding myself just having a lot more fun, you know, kind of remembering why I got into doing improv in the first place, which was all about having fun. I used to get so nervous before shows. Now I'm just like, Here with my friends, and we're hanging, and we're gonna create something really fun together, and be silly on stage. I think that when you can let go of some of those pressures that you're putting on yourself, you're able to create a much more authentic and enjoyable product. And I feel like even when it's been like chaos and nonsensical, I feel like I'm coming out of shows without stressing about it and just having had fun. So I think that's that's got to be the big thing for me. It's just fun. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree with that so much. Because you and I came up on the same day. Tell our listeners how that happened.
1: Yes, we were all at the theater. It was a Wednesday rehearsal. And there have been some conversation about dress code happening over the past couple of weeks. Maybe there were some, like, dress code violations during the show. and We all
0: know the particular violation.
1: Yes, I wasn't going to, you know, we don't need to bring it up, really. But there have been enough talk to where this felt realistic and reasonable. And I came in and normally I'm always trying to look cute, but this particular day I came in and like not looking that great. So Chip, he's giving his announcements as he usually does at the top of rehearsal. And he's like, and by the way, we've got, I've got one more thing that I want to talk about. Emily, you know, Emily was there and he was like, you know, we've had a lot of conversation about dress code and you know, what's appropriate to wear, what's not appropriate to wear. And he was like, I just want to call a few people up here. And he's like, John, Jake, Connolly, And I looked at him, I'm like, wearing you know, spandex pants and a sweatshirt. And I was like, Oh dang, I thought it was just rehearsal day, but gosh, I guess I'm I'm not enough. Um, so we called, it was five of us, right? Me, you, Daniel and Jake. So just four. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just four of us.
1: Okay. And he was like, look at these four people. This is what main stagers look like. And so it was, it was a sweet announcement and a good surprise. <laughs>
2: You know, it's funny. Is, so we never know. I know we as main stagers were asked our opinion on who we wanted to move up. We pretty much all have the same people on our list and we don't actually know when the move up is happening. So when that was going on and he was pulling all those people on stage and like I thought he was about to call everyone out on their outfit. For a second there, I was like, oh man, this is so I was like, I feel so bad for him. It was so embarrassing. And then once I realized the four that were up there, I was like, oh, I see what's going on. I was like, I know exactly what's about to happen. I was like, that's that's good. That was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was very well orchestrated. It was a really sweet surprise.
0: I remember when he said the main stage or stuff. Only thought in my mind was, what?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. So it didn't click at first.
0: Yeah. And then I kind of looked over, and like you said, Emily's there and she just puts her arms out, runs up to me and hugs me. And I'm just yeah. like, he did do that, didn't he?
1: <laughs> Sneaky son of a gun. I
2: think it would have been fun to be moved up with people. I moved up by myself and it was very anticlimactic. It was just the beginning of a rehearsal. And then it was just kind of like, all right, moving on. And I was like, OK, yeah. I think it would have been fun to like move up with some people at the same time. Yeah, it's like we have a little cohort. Yeah, you guys have a little,
3: like... Our little class. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, the sweetest smelling office of cultural affairs in the world.
0: You were talking about how you were feeling intimidated as an apprentice, but then once you came up into main stage, were you intimidated at that point also? I have
1: to say that I didn't actually feel... I felt really welcomed by the time I moved up. And I do, again, think that the culture has shifted a little. I found that the main stagers in general just felt a lot more welcoming to the apprentices over the last couple of years. I know the pandemic had something to do with it. We've just had a lot of stuff shaken up that the divide between apprentice and main stage hasn't felt as stark. And so by the time I moved up, and I've also been at the theater for like four years. By the time I've moved up, most of the main stagers were my friends. And I felt really welcomed and really supported. And so I can't say that I felt... You know, I was mostly just excited. I was happy to now have the chance to perform more regularly with some of the peers that I've admired for a long time.
2: I think what helps is the fact that our rehearsals were just kind of all together. Because when I was coming up, when I was an ISP, there was still that divide of like the main stagers go and rehearse with main stage, the apprentice stays here, and they either stay as one group of apprentices or they split up into two groups of apprentices. So I remember there's a very big divide during rehearsals, and I don't, I think, I think I had one official main stage rehearsal and that was the day I got moved up. And then the other ones were like random game nights and then they just kind of went away. So I feel like out of my time, I don't feel like there's really been a separation of main stage apprentice rehearsals in a very, very, very long time. Yeah. Which I think helps with the integration of apprentice and main stage.
0: Yeah. And let's give credit where credit's due. Chip has always been open to input. And I remember a number of apprentices sort of asked, well, can we get some individual workshops on Mm -hmm. individual skills? I know, Paige, you taught a character workshop. Mm -hmm. I did a buzzer workshop. And of you're going to eventually do a workshop. Let me which, get we music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was nice that ship changed to suit what was being requested. And yeah, you're right. You know, if you're a main stager and you're not leading the workshop, you're sitting in the workshop.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it puts people on an even playing field, which is really nice. It allows the apprentices to get opportunities to work with main stagers in a rehearsal setting so that when You're on stage and maybe you are transitioning to main stage, or maybe you're an apprentice that's been cast in a main stage show. It's not like you're performing with these people for the first time. You've already been able to establish a rapport and you have a feel of how you and this other person interact. And so I think it's a great method. If you're wanting these apprentices to continue learning and developing skills, then they need to be exposed to and have opportunities to work with more experienced performers. Now. Before we end this, I think it would be really fun
2: Mm -hmm. if Connolly, if you have your guitar with you, (laughs) what if we did like a improvised song right now? Like what if you improvise a song right now with something we give you? Well, I have to go get my guitar. But I'll do it, Paige. Oh, well, we, I mean, we've been talking this whole time about, <laughs> you know, you and your guitar and your improv song skills. And I think we're ending around 730. So I feel like the next 10 minutes, like, let's get <laughs> Connolly' original song on here.
1: Okay, but if it becomes a hit, you got to give me the money. Okay. Let me go get my guitar.
0: Okay. I think Connolly <laughs> doesn't understand that whole world owns the rights to the podcast.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what should we do? It's your call. Hmm.
0: you're the guest host i'm gonna back you on your call here
2: Ooh, <laughs> we were trying to think of what we want you to sing and i was saying what if she tried to like improvise the theme song for this podcast okay like improvise a whole world the podcast theme song
1: whole world the podcast theme song <laughs> great <laughs> uh, let me think for a second do you need a word of inspiration I guess the word's going to be podcast. Improv. Oh, improv. Okay. Improv podcast. (laughs) All right. It's the whole world theater podcast entertainment that will last you at least one drive to the grocery store. It's the Whole World Theater Podcast. What's it about? Don't ask, cause it's improvised. So who knows what it's gonna be for. It's for you and me and anyone who likes to do improv. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great songwriting there. Whole World Theater Podcast. Entertainment that will last you at least while you're using the bathroom you can listen in the shower it's just about an hour and it's mostly my friends just shooting the shit if you need something to do put it on for a second or two but you might get hooked because it's gonna be so good oh john and chip they're really a kick they're so very funny and their banter is on fire. Paige comes too. Yeah, that's the truth. Paige is also really great. It's the whole world theater podcast.
2: That was amazing. <laughs> I'm not even joking. that was so good. Thank wow, you. thank
1: you.
0: I had to mute myself because I'm just dying here laughing. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, thank you. It's just a fun place. It's a fun group of people. I always say when people are asking me about Whole World, I'm like, it's just a pack of weirdos. And I mean that so lovingly. I feel like improv attracts just a really wide variety of strange people. Sometimes they're subtly strange, like Monish, for example. He <laughs> looks like just a normal dude, but he's weird. You know, people come to the theater. Everyone's got kind of a different reason for being there. and the theater somehow is able to nourish whatever part of the person needs nourishing. Like some people come for the social aspect, some people come to gain a little bit of better social skills or to like decrease anxiety. And some people are there to try to work on their acting chops and then are off in film. And it's cool that you can kind of bring yourself to the table and kind of get what you need out of it, regardless of what that is.
0: That's a great answer. And through the vagarities, the strange world of podcast interviews. We're actually interviewing on March 15th. The first episode, which was Paige, as we alluded to earlier, dropped yesterday, um, March 14th. So Connolly, I'm also going to put somebody on the spot, but it's not you. Part of what we did, and Paige, you remember this, you had a part where you were talking about making up characters and you and Tanya made up characters right there on the spot. Sitting in for Tanya is going to be Connolly. Connolly is going to give you the character you're going to play. And you're going to ask Connelly a question in that character.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> this is All right. Paige, you are a British man. All right. Who drives a trolley. All right. <laughs> you have a bit of a coffee addiction. Oh, okay. And Paige, also, you have issues with your father. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll give myself a name.
0: So give yourself a name.
2: I'll be Ralph. Okay. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, John. I really appreciate it. I'll be taking over for Paige for the rest of the time. Oh, my name's Ralph. You know what I love on a cold, windy day, rainy day like today? I love a great pour-over, pour-over coffee. It's so great. Um, Sorry, let me get my British accent better here. All right, um... You know, I can ask you this question um, before, you know, I've got to go talk to my dad later and he's just the worst man on the planet. So Connolly, I've got to know, what's your favorite coffee order?
1: Wow, Ralph, it's really nice to meet you all the way from so
2: nice to meet you. Yeah, they, because of Zoom, I'm able to be here today.
1: Wow, and what about the passengers on your trolley? Are they
2: comfortable with that? Oh, well, I've, I'm actually parked right now. This group of people are getting off the trolley and a new group of people are getting on the trolley. So I'm just waiting for everyone to get it on and off. Um, while I'm doing that, I'm having a nice cup of joe, as you call it in America, and I'm hoping that my father runs out in front of my trolley so I can run him over.
1: <laughs> well, Ralph, sorry about your dad, but to answer your question, my favorite thing to get at a coffee shop is a chai tea latte, and I like to make it dirty with a shot of espresso. Oh,
2: dirty chai, I see. You do. You spark me as a dirty chai kind of of lady. All right. One last word of wisdom you want to give uh, the people of whole world and the people listening all across the world, maybe in England where I'm from. Maybe they're at a pub somewhere in England listening, eating their fish and chips. Um, What's the last bit of wisdom Connolly Crowe like to give our listeners?
1: Well, I'm really going to speak to the international fan base here when I say just remember why you signed up to do improv in the first place. I do feel like that is probably the best piece that I can give. I think that we can get clouded with all of these pressures to perform well and to impress the higher ups and be promoted to main stage or whatever. But if you can remember why you're there, which is usually to have fun. And if you can let yourself have fun and really just show up as who you are then you're going to be all set. Oh, absolutely. You know, my
2: father's always pressured <laughs> me to be a better trolley driver. And I, you know, only having one arm, it's been very hard to drive and hold my coffee at the same time. So I really understand what you mean. Like I used to have fun driving trolleys and I have to get back to that, don't I? <laughs>
1: you do. And maybe, you know, there's technology now that could help you get a bionic arm, maybe to help you with, with those turns on the trolley. Thank you. Thank you, Coralie, so much. <laughs> also, my advice would be watch a lot of shows. I do feel like that has really helped me is going and watching a lot of mainstage shows. You learn a lot just from watching. Ralph. <laughs> Excellent advice, Coralie.
0: Well, Ralph, thank you for sitting in. And as we wrap up, please convey my thanks to Paige for sitting in as part oh, of absolutely. the program's guest host.
2: <laughs> Sorry, she had to dash
1: off.
0: And Connolly, thank you for joining us being, dare I say, a friend of the pod.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Play us off, Connelly. Play us off. Great. Thank you for letting me. <laughs> One more time. The whole world podcast theme
2: song. Oops, I forgot how it goes. Or the goodbye. The goodbye song. Okay.
1: theater podcast has come to an end we had some good times some good conversation i hope you're listening regardless of wherever you are in the nation or in ralph's case in england goodbye goodbye
3: Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, a podcast John finishes while watching Looney Tunes. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and illustrious prince of improv is Chip Powell. Recording and post-production by John Mihalik. I'm proud of him. After three years, he's finally settled on what to call himself. And I can't believe it's been three years. Holy bleepity, are we allowed to say fuck on here? I always say fuck all the time. But if not, mm, bleepity, bleep, 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 where's the time go? Original music by the Gentle Readers. I hope they're going to take well to Connolly's new song, because she is awesome and she sounds like an angel. Our social media maiden is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. We're on a million different podcast platforms, so choose your poison. Pick your poison. Choose your poison. Good lord, I need a brain implant. Oh. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. And do it quick because John's looking for a new mixer. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Arlo. God, I hate saying my name. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
2: So I listened to my episode last night with my mom because I was like, like, my episode dropped and she was like, I want to listen. So we listened to it. And I was like, I was like, man, I want to do podcasting. It was so much fun. You're very natural. Oh, thank you. Thank
3: you all.